0: We're in the book of Ruth. I gave you time, I hope, to get to the book of Ruth. Uh, Joshua judges Ruth, and a little book in there, a lot of neat things where we get to see the hand of God um, doing some really neat stuff in people's lives. And what we're going to do is we're going to focus here on several verses at, at the end of chapter 1. So go ahead and look down, if you would, Ruth chapter 1, and uh, verse number 19 is where we'll go. And where we'll start, okay? Ruth chapter 1, verse number 19 says, So they too, we're talking about Ruth and Naomi, we'll get into who they are here in a minute. They too went until they came to Bethlehem. It came to pass, when they were come to Bethlehem, uh, that all the city was moved about them, and they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. All right, so let's pray. Let's just ask God to give us clarity and help tonight, okay? Lord, thank you for... Um, this story we're about to dig into. And I pray, dear God, that we would be encouraged. Lord, let um, let the testimony of Naomi be an encouragement to each one of us. And I pray that, um, I pray that we would see and understand your character better tonight just for having been in your word. So, Holy Spirit, we need you. Uh, please fill me and say through me everything you want to say. Take control of my thoughts and my words. And, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would convict where there needs to be conviction. And please give comfort where there needs to be comfort. And that your presence would just fill this place. Um, that we would enjoy um, saying that we got to um, sit in the presence of God for a little while and just enjoy God. And I pray that you would just do this all for your great name's sake. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, uh, I don't know about you, but I... Uh, it depends. Sometimes I can like surprises. I don't know if you're out there and you enjoy surprises. Some people swear that they just hate surprises. They want to know everything that's going on. Uh, I, I think one of the uh, surprises that I like, I'll tell you some surprises that I like is, I like um, birthday party surprises. Did you ever have um, a birthday party where um, it was a surprise party and, uh, and, so, and you know, you walk into your house and all of a sudden, you know, oh, there's people there and, you know, surprise, uh, you know, maybe it was your 40 birthday party, or your 50th, or uh, for me, uh, I haven't got there yet, uh, but I've had uh, a 13th uh, birthday party, I've had uh, an 18th birthday party, and they were surprises, you know, I didn't know that my friends were all going to show up, and it was a lot of fun, now those surprises, those surprises are not that bad, you know what, I'll tell you the ones that I just, I don't know, I don't like a whole lot. Are the ones where uh, in life when circumstances come that are surprises that are supposed to happen to everybody else, not me. But we all get hit by a surprise that was supposed to happen to someone else. I think uh, at least a recent one for us um, would be... Uh, would be about a year and a half ago when our son was born. And, uh, he was born, we didn't, we didn't know at the time, uh, but he was born, uh, with a heart, with a congen- congenital heart disorder. And, um, he had an issue with his heart, but we didn't know it. They didn't catch it at the hospital. And he was sent home. And on Thanksgiving, uh, on Thanksgiving night back in 2018, we almost lost him. I watched Samuel stop breathing on a table in an emergency room. And, uh, it was, um, It was one of the most stirring things to watch your kids stop breathing. And you know... I, I'm not going to I can't touch a thing these it's all up to these guys and these girls around him on a table if they can figure out how to make it happen by God's grace he survived and uh, was flown to uh, uh, the children's hospital in Birmingham and uh, he had his first flight at seven days old and uh, we didn't get to go with him and so we just rushed to the hospital fast as we could uh, from staying up all night and he had emergency surgery that saved his life uh, it was uh, the doctors I mean God just enabled those doctors God put people with incredible knowledge in the right place, and God spared his life. And I'll tell you what, um, those kind of experiences, something like that is what's supposed to happen... To everybody else, we've had friends. Uh, we have friends. I'm thinking of several right now that have um, baby complications or in the hospital. I'm thinking of one right now. Uh, my my buddy Jesse, who lives in um, who lives in East Tennessee, and I think about their baby and the things that he would post on Facebook. I thought that is exactly what happened to us. Uh, of of the, just those thoughts, those feelings, because you don't know what's going to happen. We all get hit with surprises that are supposed to happen to someone else. And folks, we better. Understand God and what He is doing, lest when the surprises come, we get angry. Because there is no Christian that is beyond asking God why in an angry tone. And if you think you are, you're about to get surprised. It's amazing what we think we are beyond, what we think we have grown past. But temptation can come. And I'm telling you what, if we don't know our God and what He is doing, we will be. We can become bitter when surprises come at us. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at the book of Ruth at a woman named Naomi who faced an incredible surprises, things that were outside of her control, and we're going to watch her response to them lest we become bitter as well. So tonight, I want us to see the bitterness of an old woman. And I want us to see tonight five things about someone who, because of surprises that happen in life, can become bitter at God. I want you to see five things about the bitterness of this old woman by the name of Naomi. First of all, I want you to see this, is that bitterness often begins with difficult circumstances bitterness often begins with difficult circumstances you think about um about the book of ruth and about this woman named naomi verse number one of chapter one says now it came to pass in the days of the when the judges ruled stop right there folks that should tell us one thing of what was going on the government that was going on right then was called anarchy the bible says in the book of judges that the time of the judges was a time when every man did what was right in his own eyes people whatever's going on here in america right now we ain't there we are not there yet we're not there what naomi was going through was a whole lot worse folks imagine if people truly could do what is right in their own eyes and that's what was going on. So there's all this political instability all around her, And on top of that, verse 1 says, and there was also a famine in the land. So uh, it didn't matter if you're rich or poor, all people were put into the same boat because agriculture was the way that people survived. And uh, nobody cares how much money you have because money is worth nothing. Food is worth everything. And so rich or poor, were, they're all now in the same boat because there was a famine and food, is in a great shortage now. And verse number 1 says, And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Now the wife there is referring to Naomi. And uh, her husband makes a decision, while there's all this political instability and a famine, he makes the decision to go to Moab. And I'll tell you, folks, this decision really may not have been the best decision. Uh, because uh, one of the things is, that Moab was just one of those places where God's people the Israelites were not welcome Uh, the Moabites were the ones who refused to help Israel during the Exodus the Moabites were the ones who hired Balaam to curse the nation of Israel the Moabites were the ones that sent girls into Israel to drag the Israelite men into immorality and idolatry and the Moabites according to Deuteronomy were actually uh, were said that they were to be banned from ever coming into the land and that's where naomi's husband dragged her probably not the wisest nor the most spiritual decision now, all he could think was well at least there's food there I don't know. Maybe he was doing it for the sake of his family, but there seems to be a little bit, could we say, of sketchiness around this decision. Just doesn't seem like the wisest decision in the world. Well, also she's so so in the middle of famine and political instability. She's dragged into a nation. Maybe we could think of it as having to go take up residence in Iran and North Korea and Russia, somewhere where people don't like Americans at all. And uh, and in the midst of this, verse number uh, 3 says and Elimelech Naomi's husband died. So she's in this foreign nation and in a totally new culture and her husband dies. And it says in verse 3 that she was left with her two sons and they took them wives of the women of Moab. Now that her husband has died, her sons get married and they marry unsaved girls. Do you think that might have bothered her just a little bit? That her boys, soon as dad was gone, married unsaved girls from the nation of Moab? You think that might have uh, have bothered her just a little bit? And then, as if all that wasn't enough, then it says in verse number 5, and Malon and Chilion, those are her two sons, died also, both of them, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. You know something about... All these circumstances, I, I'd call them surprises because she wasn't expecting uh, the, the time period of the judges. She wasn't expecting a famine. She wasn't expecting her husband to take her to a place they probably shouldn't have gone. She wasn't expecting her husband to die. She wasn't expecting her kids, her boys to marry unsafe girls. She wasn't expecting her sons to die and to be left a widow in a land where they hate Jews. All these surprises... And you know what? Really, of all these things that happened, none of them were by her choice. They all just happened. All surprises. None of them by her choice. In fact, some of them were, the the pain and emotional pain that she experienced, were some of them were because of other people's choices. And and so here she is, and and all these surprises and these circumstances have happened towards her. And folks, let me tell you something. Surprises that happen in our lives are your chance to either become bitter or trust God. That something is going to turn out. When surprises come, it is your chance to either become bitter or to trust God. God, let me tell you something. When something all of a sudden just shakes your world, rocks your world, and changes happen, oftentimes overnight, watch out. Because even the best among us can become bitter. Because bitterness often starts with difficult circumstances. Here's number two. Is that bitterness, should you become bitter, bitterness will become your distinction. The Bible says in verse number 19 that as Naomi returned to Israel with her daughter-in-law uh, Ruth, she had decided that she wanted to go back, uh, she wanted to come back to her, her, her family and her culture. She had heard there was food now in Israel again. Uh, her one daughter-in-law, Orpah, returned to her family, but Ruth goes with Naomi, and so Naomi comes back into her hometown where the people knew her, and it says in verse number 19, so they two went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass when they were come to bethlehem that all the city was moved about them now you got to remember this remember uh, all these people they know that that naomi left with her husband and it was probably not a very good decision whether it was a good decision or not all those israelites were looking down uh, would have looked down on her and her husband for making the decision to go to moab and she's coming home and it says here in verse number in verse number nineteen, this is fascinating. It says that all the city was moved about them, and they said, "As I was studying this, let me just tell you this. Uh, I uh, I had the I don't know." I definitely wouldn't call it a pleasure, but I have the something of uh, of studying two semesters of Hebrew in Bible College Seminary. You know what that means, folks? I sort of know something, sort of sometimes. I'm not sure, but I might. Okay, uh, Hebrew is not is a is a very difficult language, and uh, so I don't know. So if I'm so if I tell you and I say, "Hey, the word in the Hebrew means this," it's because I had to get some help on it from other sources. It's not like I just sit down with my with my Hebrew Bible and read from right to left because that's what they do. In Hebrew, okay. So, um uh, but the the Hebrew, as I was studying this here, when it says that they came back, and it says that the the that the city was moved about them, and they said those verbs there were. I noticed as I was looking at them that those verbs were feminine. In other words, it wasn't necessarily men and women that were doing this. It was the ladies of the town that were moved. And the word "moved" means to hum and to buzz. Are you seeing what's happening? Here comes Naomi walking down the street, and all of a a sudden, and and so so Mrs. So-and-so runs to the next door and says... Uh, do, you, do you know what's happening? Don't, you don't say. Guess what? I just saw someone walk down the street. No way. Yes, I did. I saw it is staying home. It is not. She is not back. Yes, she is. She's walking, she's walking down the street. She has a Moabite with her. I know, right? A Moabite. I can't believe it. This is just, this is, this is incredible. This is, this is not good. are we supposed to not let Moabites in? I don't know, but maybe we better just, we better talk about it. We better get, did you tell someone something? No, let's go tell. They were all wound up that Naomi was back because not only was it just Okay, Naomi is back, but something was different about her. When surprises happen, and you choose instead of trusting God to become angry at God, the Bible says there will be a change in your spirit. And in verse number 19, the women of the city said, Is this Naomi? Naomi? A woman who had left and you could say in her prime was now returned and looked totally different. And Naomi had said, she says in verse number 20, Naomi said unto them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara. The name Naomi is a name that means pleasant or sweet or gracious, but the name Mara means Bitter. You remember back in Exodus chapter 15, right after the Red Sea? Remember how, um, the, uh, the Israelites as they had just come away from the Red Sea that they needed water? And they came to a place where the waters were bitter? You know what that place was called? Mara. And Naomi says, change my name. It's no longer the sweet, pleasant, gracious one. It is now Mara. People back then changed their names. I don't know about all the time, but it was not an uncommon thing. Abram changed his name to Abraham because of circumstances. God appeared to him. Jacob changed his name to Israel because of circumstances. Daniel even had his name changed to Belteshazzar because of circumstances. He got kidnapped and taken to Babylon. And Naomi, because of her circumstances, said, don't call me the pleasant one because I'm not anymore. Don't call me the gracious one because I'm not anymore. She says, call me Mara. Call me the bitter one, folks. When surprises happen in life that were not supposed to happen to you, but are supposed to happen to somebody else, folks, you have the choice if you're going to trust God or get angry at Him. Because you know um, it is uh, it is so common amongst God's people. Now we won't we won't share it too loud, at least not at first. But deep down inside, we harbor quiet words where we we say, God, what is wrong with you? God, what have you done to me? God, what 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 in the world is going on? And not just in questioning, saying, what is happening? But in the idea of saying, God, you have tried to hurt me. And so the Bible says that her very spirit was changed. Her very appearance was changed. I mean, they said, is this Naomi? Here's number three. Is that bitterness will put the blame for circumstances back on God. You know, by the way, it's interesting to note that most of these circumstances that all of a sudden surprised her were were um, were all by other people's sinful choices. You ever notice that? It wasn't like God was saying, oh, I'm going to be super mean to you today, Naomi. It was because we're, we're surrounded by sinners. We're surrounded by a planet packed full of sinners, but she chose to place the blame for all that had happened to put it on God. She became bitter at God because she blamed Him. Well, she blamed Him as the source for making her bitter. The Bible says in verse number 20, she says, call me not Naomi, call me Mara. She says, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. Now again, Again, I'm not trying to impress you. I want to help you because this was really helpful to me as I studied this. The Hebrew there, uh, around the verb that says, uh, hath dealt bitterly, he, she says that God Almighty has, the verb is hath dealt bitterly. And the verb there, hath dealt bitterly, is a verb that has the idea, uh, when it's used in, this, in the form that it is, it has the idea of to cause whatever the verb is. So let's kind of read that again. Verse number 20, read it kind of this way. She says, For the Almighty hath caused dealings of bitterness in me. In other words, she says, You want to know why I'm so angry? You want to know why I have such a scowl on my face? You want to know why I hate life now and why I don't really want to see any of you women? It's because God made me bitter. Folks, Folks, We've got to be careful. When we get surprised by life, you will be tempted to say, God, you made me mad. And folks, God allows things to come into our lives for an almighty plan—a plan that He is putting together and shaping together. And folks, we have got to watch out because none of us is unsus- none of us is not susceptible to 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 feeling this bitterness and this anger towards God. Listen, when when circumstances come and, and a feeling of anger comes, don't blame God for the bitterness that is in you. Oftentimes, uh, we like to say. I can't help it. God has given me the circumstance. He's made me bitter because of this surprising circumstance. Folks, the problem isn't our circumstance. The problem is our bitter response to them. James 1 twelve says, "Blessed is the man that endureth temptations, and there in that verse, temptation is the idea of trials. Blessed is the man that endureth trials for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. You know what one of god's plans is you know, there's a lot of stuff that God is doing when he allows circumstances in our lives. You know what one of the things is that God says he 's allowing when things get hard he's allowing them because he wants to reward you that's what james 1 12 says that's what that's what, that's what that's the verse we just read he said that when you endure trials when he is tried he says i'll give him the crown of life which god has promised to them that love him folks no crises no crowns no crises no no crowns. God says, I have a I have a plan for you to receive rewards in heaven. But He says, it's going to require difficult circumstances. Things that might even surprise you. He says, trust me. Don't become angry at me. Don't become bitter at me. He says, but trust God. But the Bible also indicates that she got bitter. She blamed Him for giving her hurtful circumstances. In verse 21... She says, uh, "She says, I went out full. The Lord hath brought me home again empty. Uh, why then call you me Naomi, seeing the Lord?" testified against me uh, by the way the word testify is uh, the idea of like a witness in court giving witness against someone and she says god has testified like a witness in court against me and she says in verse 21 and the almighty she uses it's interesting she uses two names for god there she says lord capital l capital o capital r capital d which is the the hebrew name for god yahweh so she says yahweh there seeing that yahweh had testified against me, but then she changes the name of God and she says, And the Almighty, which is uh which is the name for God, El Shaddai, which is the special name for God that's saying God is in control of all things. And she's so it's almost like she says, Yahweh has testified against me and Shaddai, the one who controls all things, has afflicted me. By the way, again, that verb afflicted in the Hebrew use there is a word that has the idea of the verb itself means to do bad or to do evil towards someone. And and in the, the usage here, it has the idea she is clearly saying that the she's saying El Shaddai, the one who's supposed to be in control, is trying to do evil towards me. Do you ever think, God, why are you trying to hurt me? Why do you have to hurt me? I know we wouldn't say that out loud, but we thought it. Friend, watch out. Satan wants you to become bitter. Satan wants you to, turn to, to, to develop a hatred for the God who loves you and who is, by the way, using the surprises and the circumstances in your life to work out... A story that you don't see the end of yet. By the way, we're going to see that at the end. That God, The whole point of all this stuff is that God had a plan. God had a plan that was better than one that Naomi could make, but it was going to require going through the crises. But Naomi, instead of trusting God, she became angry and bitter at God, and she said, God is out to hurt me. She said, I lost my husband, I lost my kids, my boys. I've got these unsaved girls that want to tag along with me. I've been through famine and political instability. I come home and everyone's gossiping about me. God wants to hurt me. Don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. Call me bitter. You know something she did not she had lost sight of the God that she knew. You know, it's amazing. We can learn things and repeat things about God when the lights are on. And folks, the reason why we learn these things about God when the lights are on is because when the lights go out, we need to remember what we saw in the light for when we go through the dark. Folks, don't, let, don't get angry at God. Some of you, even in these last eight weeks, have been dealt some surprises that you weren't ready for. Something may have happened with your job. Some some of you may have had a friend that got, I don't know, got the virus. I've had a few that have. None of my friends have died. Others have. Some of you might have had some something else altered. Some of you may have just had to deal with a whole lot of fear and nervousness. Maybe you have a loved one who's in one of those, uh, you know, a nursing home facility where you just don't know. I mean, in a day, it could, you know, it could just sweep through. And we all get hit with these surprises of like, this was not happening back on March 1st. What happened? And we get deltie surprises and God says, now is the time to trust what you already know about God. Psalm eighty-five, twelve says, Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good and our land shall yield her increase. James 1, 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, so but she blamed God for trying to hurt her. She also blamed him for taking away what she had. Verse twenty-one, she says, "I went out full," and you know she's thinking of her husband. She's thinking of her boys. I went out food full, and the Lord brought me home again empty. Folks, sorry for all the grammar we're dealing with, but that word "um I" where she says "I went out full." Now, in the Hebrew, they don't often use pronouns. English, we use them all the time, all the time. In Hebrew, they don't use pronouns a whole lot, especially not ones like this. When they stick a pronoun in there in this spot where this is at, there is a big emphasis on the pronoun. And Naomi said, I, I had so much and God took it away. I had all this stuff. I had a husband. Maybe not the best, but I had one. Uh, because being a widow in that culture was really rough. I had a husband. There was no life insurance. I had sons. I went out full, and God took them all away. You know, nothing we have in this life is ours anyway. You do know that, right? You know, it is hard sometimes to remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My kid is just something I get to borrow for a time. This kid is not mine. I just get to borrow him for however many years, and then that's it. We're we not owners of stuff. We, we are stewards of what God has given us. We're just stewards. We're not owners. All that we have belongs to God and the things that God gives. Job said in Job 1.21, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, how often do we not focus? We, I tell you what, we can name by name immediately. Boy, we are good at naming everything God has taken away. How often do we name the things that God has given? How often do we name the stuff that God has given? (laughs) Uh, When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it might actually surprise you what the Lord has done. If you would actually write out the things God has given you, you might all of a sudden get surprise, get a new surprise and say, Whoa! God's actually given me a lot. And Naomi, because she became angry, could only focus on what God had taken away. You know, has God taken something away from you? Has He taken a parent away? Has He taken a spouse away? Has He taken a job away? Has he taken away uh, your, your dreams and hopes for senior year? Has he taken away an investment you had? Has he taken away your ability to do something and now you're just a little bit handicapped? Folks, watch out for when God sees fit to take some things away that weren't ours anyway. Watch out for bitterness. Now here's number four. Bitterness will also create a lack of concern for unsaved souls. Bitterness will create a lack of concern for unsaved souls. What is really interesting here, if we back up a little bit into chapter 1, it says in verse number uh in verse number, chapter 1, verse number 10, once her boys had both died, here's Naomi. She's stuck with these two Moabite daughters-in-law. And they what is interesting, they both said in verse number 10, they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. They both were willing to go back with Naomi back into the Israeli culture. Hey, listen, folks, if it was rough for an Israelite to go into Moab, it was just as bad for a Moabite to come into Israel. It was not easy. But these girls were willing to go with Naomi. And by pledging to go with her, they were willing to abandon their families. Folks, family was, I think family is big in our country. Family was big back then. Your clan they were leaving their culture. They were leaving their. Uh, uh, they were leaving their friends, their homeland. They were leaving probably their prospects for remarriage. I mean, what is Israelites going to want to marry a Moabite? They're leaving that, and they were also willing to leave their gods. Okay, now that's something worth talking about. They were both willing to leave homeland, culture, family, prospects for marriage, and also willing to leave their idolatry and embrace the Israelite God. And you know what happened? Naomi told the girls, nah, go back to your homes. And Orpah, and so after a little bit of, uh, of weeping, Orpah, the one daughter-in-law, goes back, and Ruth says, no, 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 she cleans to Naomi and says, no, I'm going with you. And in verse 15, Naomi said, behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return now after thy sister-in-law. She says, so when Ruth says, listen, I'm willing to leave my culture. I'm willing to, 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 to learn about your God and embrace your God and leave my culture and go with you. She said, no, go back to your gods. Just like your sister-in-law did. Friend, if you become bitter and angry at God because of the surprises that he allowed, that he knew about, but he allowed in your life that you weren't exactly ready for, you will all of a sudden not care about unsaved souls. When you're angry and you're bitter, people going to heaven is going to be one of the last things on your mind. And the tracks, the tracks going out will stop. The speaking of Jesus Christ will stop. Folks, if you allow that anger to just build and fester in your heart towards God, you'll stop being concerned about unsaved souls. And I'll tell you what: if you let it linger long enough, it'll just that concern for the lost will just melt away. An unsaved family who you could have had a testimony towards won't hear the gospel; won't hear it from you. Here's number five, though, and finally, is that bitterness can. Be overcome. Bitterness can be overcome. Uh, Flip over one page if you would to Ruth chapter 2. I want you to see an important verse. So, uh, so, uh, Naomi. Uh, comes back with her daughter-in-law, Ruth. They return to Bethlehem. Of course, there's been a whole lot of gossiping and such that's been going on about them. And uh, they're poor. Poors can be. and But one of the provisions in the uh, in the Israelite culture that time was uh, if you were wealthy and you had some, some farmland, and as you would harvest your grain and harvest stuff, if you dropped, you know, you dropped a little bit of things, you know, as you're bundling your sheaves and you drop a little bit to the side, uh, one of the things you were supposed to do in that culture was leave it, finish bundling your sheep and get it up on the wagon whatever and leave what is on the ground for poor people to come along i'll tell you what it was uh it was a hard day's work if you were poor to go and spread out throughout a field and just hope that you can find enough uh, grain that is salvageable that hasn't been destroyed by the rain uh, that has been left maybe in clumps enough that is salvageable so that you can at least go home and have supper that night and then you got to go back at it tomorrow maybe in a different field and hope, you find again, it was rough being poor back then. Naomi and Ruth were very poor. And by God's grace, uh, uh, Ruth goes and she goes to a, a field like that to pick, up, uh, to pick up grain. She goes to a, the field of a man by the name of Boaz. You know what one of the things Boaz notices about her? Uh, if, you, if you read through the chapter, you will notice that he, um, he notices that she's pretty one thing that's one thing he notices but read on into the chapter and you know what else he notices because he knows who naomi is and Ruth are in some way. I don't know how. Uh, they do have a little. They are related in some in some way. But uh, it says so. He knew something of their story. But in verse number twelve, when he approaches Ruth, who's out there picking up these little clumps of grain of what she could find, he says to Ruth, "The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel." He says, "Under whose wings thou art come to trust." You know what he says? He says, Ruth, I can tell something about you. May God richly reward you. Because he says, I can tell something about you. You trust God. This is a brand new, if we could say, a brand new religion to Ruth. Totally new. A new God. A new culture. People probably weren't being very nice to her. Her mother-in-law wasn't at the time saying, go back to your gods. And yet Boaz could look at her and know, I can tell something about you. You're trusting God. You know, Ruth never became bitter. You know why? Well, Boaz told us. Apparently, she's trusting God. Because, you know, Ruth had, some, or Ruth had some of the same hard things. I mean, she had a husband die. I Maybe mean, not all the things Naomi had, but she had it hard too. She's just as poor. And you know what he could tell about her? I can tell. You trust God god how can how can a person when surprises happen and circumstances just bam come upon us how do we keep from lashing out in anger against god and getting angry or how do we come away from bitterness that we've had towards god real simple trust god you say but but i don't know wh- where that's going to lead yeah that's that's called trust that's kind of the whole nature of what trust is is that i don't know I haven't got it figured out, but I'll just assume that you do. And you know something? God is good on His Word. And He is worthy to be trusted. Bitterness can be overcome, by obviously, by trusting God. So let me give you some principles of that. Here's number one. Don't blame God. When surprises happen, don't blame God. Acknowledge His goodness. Acknowledge His control in your specific circumstances. Uh, Secondly, don't blame others. For misery or for bitterness? I mean, obviously, Naomi blamed God for many of the circumstances. I wonder if she blamed her husband a little bit, because he had done, made, you know, made these choices. I wonder if she blamed the government a little bit, uh, because there was so much political instability. But friend, if you want to avoid bitterness, don't blame God for circumstances like Naomi did. Don't blame others, but trust God in the midst of your messed up circumstances. Ask Him. For His grace. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse number 9, Paul was, uh, was afflicted with, he calls it, a thorn in the flesh. And one of the things that God said to him is he said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, Paul said, I will rather glory in my infirmities so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake, For when I am weak, then I am strong. Folks, God says that when you're in the midst of circumstances, God has grace that you can ask for. One thing we learned on Sunday is that God's grace is available when we ask for it. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace so that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Every time we'll come to the throne of grace to ask for grace, God gives grace. So you're saying, he will change my circumstances right away and make me feel all better immediately. I did not say that. I said, God will give you grace, divine enablement to walk through. I didn't say all the emotions will immediately fall in place. I didn't say immediately all the circumstances are going to come together, but you trust God and ask Him for divine enablement and let Him work things together. You know what's interesting is that when we come to the end of the book of Ruth, in Ruth chapter 4, uh, to sum it up really fast, Ruth and Boaz get married. Okay, that was summed up just two, cha- two or three chapters just like that. Uh, they get married, and you know something is that Ruth gets to be in the line of king david because ruth and uh, ruth and boaz had a son uh ruth and boaz had a son and his name was um what was the first one was that Sam? Uh, obed um yes uh obed and uh he was the father of jesse who was the father of king david who was who god said it's not going to be possible for this line to end before i send my messiah and ruth naomi they got to be in the line of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. What, what an honor. And you know, when we come to the end, it's kind of neat. You could see it a little bit in, in chapter 2. A little bit of change of heart coming into Naomi in verse number 20. Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. You can almost see there, Naomi's starting to change her attitude a little bit and say, You know what? God has been kind to us because she sees. You know what she sees? She sees, okay, here we are poor and destitute. This is horrible. And God has taken all this away. And this is horrible. Well, Ruth, I guess you might as well go out and see if you can pick up some grain somewhere. And Ruth comes back and says, oh, guess what? I met this guy. And uh, I, I met this guy. And uh, and also, he said, I can be in his uh, in his field and he's going to take care of me. And I can come anytime I want. And his name is is Boaz. And Naomi immediately sees the click. She says, this guy could be our kinsman redeemer. And it's almost like she realizes, oh, here's maybe God's plan that it's all going to come together. And she ends up being, at the end of chapter 4, she ends up even getting to be the nurse of Obed, Ruth and Boaz's son. And she saw, you know, I think God even changed uh, Naomi's heart. And I'll tell you what, God can change yours as well if you will stop your anger towards God and start trusting him. It's as simple as that. We took that long to get through that story, to get to that simple truth, is to say, God, forgive me for my anger. Help me to trust you. It's as simple as that. But um, I don't know. Some of you may want to hang on to your anger. Because, I don't know, you feel like God deserves it? You feel like God has dealt you what you don't deserve? Folks, what we deserve is, is to die forever in our sins in hell. And anything God gives us above that is really nice. Yes. So instead of focusing on what God has taken away, let's focus on what God has given us. And say, you know what, God? I will trust you. I don't know how this will work out, but I will trust you. Let me close with this uh, little, little story to I hope will encourage you. A guy by the name of Joseph. Uh, now Joseph in the Bible. Joseph lived in the, uh, I believe, the 1800s. Joseph was a young man. He was engaged. And, uh, the night before his wedding, you ready for this, people? The night before his wedding, uh, Joseph's fiance was coming to visit him. She was riding on horseback, uh, coming, coming, uh, towards him. He was in his house, actually looking out the window and saw his fiance riding towards, uh, towards uh, the house. She was crossing a bridge. As she crossed the bridge, the horse bucked, sent her flying into the, into the waters and she died there. The night before their wedding. Give it just a little bit. Not that much later, um, Joseph fell in love again, got engaged again, his wife to be um I guess it made some kind of decision for Christ, and so she was baptized in a river and she don't no worry, she didn't drown. Um but uh, she's in this uh in this uh river and she because of it she got sick and she lingered for a few months and died. And Joseph began to battle depression. And Began to battle, I believe, even some anger, and uh, it was he was either um, I'm trying to remember which it was. It was uh, there was Canada and Britain. Either he was in one, and, he was in one, and his mom was in the other. In other words, they were across the ocean from each other. One was in Canada, one was in uh, was in the UK, and uh, his mom was depressed. His mom was having really bad health, and uh, maybe looking at death. And uh, so Joseph's trying to encourage her. He's gone through two fiancés that have died on him, and Joseph Scriven wanted to encourage his mom and so he writes a little poetry pulls out a piece of paper on one of his letters and he writes to his mom what a friend we have in jesus all our sins and griefs to bear what a privilege to carry everything to god in prayer oh what peace we often forfeit oh what needless pain we bear all because we won't carry everything to god in prayer Have you trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. I'm not being unkind. I used to think that what a friend we have in Jesus was just one of those songs we sang at the nursing home. Because the folks there love to sing it. Folks, there there is a reason. Yeah, there's a reason. There's a reason why it's loved there. There's a reason why we are, why the song means so much more. It's a man who saw the surprises and said, "I it hurts like fire, but I'm going to trust God." And folks, we better do it as well. Let's because what do we have today? We have a song because the guy didn't get bitter. So let's make sure tonight that we are right with God in that area. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Lord, um, Lord, please help us, Lord. Um, uh, Hurt is a very real thing. Um, pain is real. And um, so, is, so is your grace. And so I pray that the people of, um, of Crooked Creek Baptist, those who are here on the live stream, that, they, that, that we all together would trust you, that we would not respond in anger, that we would respond with trust. And uh, it is not easy, but that's why you said we could ask for grace. So please, I pray, Lord, that you would um, draw your people towards yourself tonight as we've gotten to see your grace. uh, Folks, heads are down, eyes are closed.